Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. There was a wicked queen named Jezebel who brought the prophets of wind, earth, and fire to the land. It's an old story of God's great prophet Elijah when he stood alone against evil. When Elijah stood against Queen Jezebel and her pagan god Baal, he called upon the god of creation who never fails. And finally, with a sword, he killed all 450 of the prophets of Baal. So, of course, he had to flee. Elijah was afraid. God directed him to a cave on Mount Horeb, the place where God would speak to him. First there was a great wind, and then an earthquake, and then fire. But God was not in any of these. And then Elijah heard a still, small voice, where God declares that the great I Am is here. Yahweh saves. And man can only respond to this with gratitude, declares Dr. Jordan Peterson. It is the same reason God let the devil sift out Job, and Job never turned from God. It's gratitude to our Maker. For does the clay say to the potter, make me this way or make me that? And so we ask, where is this cave? May I go and hear that still small voice when I am afraid? Where's the Lord's glorious voice is gazing upon mine like he gazed upon Elijah? Is when St. John Vianney asked the old farmer what he did in adoration looking at the tabernacle. The humble man responded, nothing. I look at him and he looks at me. Yet today we have become distilled with the qualities of manhood boiled right out of us for the sake of a woke price tag. As if we traveled back in time 11 centuries, believing again in the prophets of Baal and praying to the spirits of wind, earth, and fire. So how did we become so distracted? The great storyteller Paul Harvey wrote, If I were the devil, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness but I wouldn't be happy until I'd seize the ripest apple on the tree. Thee. So I'd set about first to subvert the churches. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth and convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what is bad is good and what is good is square. And to the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. I'd educate authors on how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV producers to make more lurid movies. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could, and I'd tranquilize the rest with prescriptions. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war, nations at war, until each in turn was consumed. And with the promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those things run wild, till every schoolhouse door required a metal detector and a drug-sniffing dog. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, the schoolhouse, and then the houses of Congress. And in the churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. 
I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. If I were the devil, I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, and in moral conduct. I'd convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV, that's the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I just keep right on doing what he's doing. This was Twilight Zone talk back in 1965 when this was written. The enemy we face is not looking for a truce or a negotiation of peace with terms. He is looking for scorched earth, our total annihilation. Today as we plead to mother, father, son, and daughter come hither so we may break the bread and share the cup of God's great mercy for us. Let us not forget what we learned in the cave and to whom we owe our gratitude. But let us understand the times as well and put our swords to the honing stone for a battle's edge before we too become distilled. In our distractions, we have lost many things. Some of them boiled right out of us. Long ago, Rudyard Kipling once asked the man, If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, we ask, have we completely forgotten who we are? Kipling asked us if we could meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same. So when did the character of a man stop counting for more than the color of his skin or the money in his pocket? There was a day when we spoke of man's character, saying, The proof was in the pudding. Wasn't our nation built with grit? It was something we admired. Which is why Kipling asked the man if he could watch the things we've given our life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. Because it was important for men to pass on to one another if they could force their heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. Is God asking us to accept his invitation to work through his acts of mercy and service? And when we become afraid, do we hear that still small voice in the cave which reminds us, Yahweh saves, man does not. God is here, and I am grateful. Ain't it so? This is Gittin' Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Bobiscum. <laughs>